0: Hey guys, I'm Chris and I'm uh, Mike and welcome back to this week's no limits. The Mitch Rap podcast. What's new this week, Mike?
1: Hey, I'm just still riding high from our interview with Kyle last night's hangout with our patrons. We did a code red spoiler hangout with some of the best Mitch Rap fans in the universe. I think I intended to stay on 30, 40 minutes. We were there, what, an hour and a half talking with them until 1030 yeah. at night?
0: Stayed up real late, my way past my bedtime.
1: <laughs> Dude, it was a blast, though. We got to talk Code Red and hear a whole plethora of opinions on this book.
0: Yeah, this has been... Being able to do those, and I, you know, I, I really would like to do more of them, is one of the, like, the best outcomes that has come out of this community. And I love the group chat. Uh, I love that, you know, we can, you know... Some days it's like really active, some weeks it's really active, you know, then it goes by and then, you know, people just touch back in just to know that you have other people you can spin crazy ideas with or, you know, bounce things off of or, you know, just say, hey, have a good day. It's great. It's been, you know, besides getting to spend, you know, at least an hour every week with you, that's
1: got to be like the the second best thing that's come out of this podcast. So thanks to all the patrons. It's so great. And I was so happy Chris and Sherry told us about their meetup. Two our patrons planned a meetup in person to meet Kyle and Don on the book tour. I just thought that was so cool to hear. And last week on the interview with Kyle, hearing Dawn's inspiring words about what the series and what Red War in particular has meant to her, the people we're meeting through this podcast is just really making it all worth it. We, we honestly, and, and I know we say this on the mics every week, we honestly wouldn't do this without the listeners and the patrons that we have yeah that's
0: that's for damn sure <laughs> You know, I, I don't think i would have felt as compelled to keep going like, like I, I feel like we always had it in our mind to like do all of mitch Rap, you know yes um you know, at least like up until that point but um like the the fact that there is this community out there that actually listens to us you know sort of makes me want to you know do this every week so keeping us going
1: It's so true. Man of many names, Kevin B., Kevin Bacon, Kevin B. Chill. He goes by many handles. When he joined the chat uh, recently, that was awesome. We got Matt P. jumping in. Matt P. even gave us a theory. Uh, We kind of asked Kyle about it a little bit. Maybe when we cover the transition to Don, we'll talk about Matt's Matt's theory, but... Dude, they're, they're amazing. And so if you want to join this community, get in on the group chat with Chris and I and everyone else and join our hangouts. We are going to have a post-holiday hangout early in 2024. And we're also going to be taking ideas from the patrons for our upcoming reading list for the books we're going to cover on the Thriller podcast throughout next year. So planning ahead. If you want to be part of that, just go ahead and visit ThrillerPod.com. Click on the Patreon tab to learn more. And for less than the price of a novel a month, you can be the reason that Chris and I get to make more podcasts. So come aboard. We'd love to have you.
0: Boom, baby. And that was Kevin B last night, right?
1: That was Kevin B. Yeah, he was going by Kevin Bacon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, he's go. gone by Kevin B. Chill, a distant relative of Haley Chill in the past. So a man of many names.
0: He told us he's a, you know, that's one of his, it might be his favorite series is uh, Chris Howdy. So, yeah. All right, what are we covering today, Mike?
1: let me tell you what we're covering today. Part two of Code Red. We are finally getting to give our thoughts on this book and in a sense our thoughts on Kyle's legacy on the series as these are the final words that he's written. And instead of a limerick uh, for me to open this up today, I thought I would just let the limerick we left with Kyle stand. So if for some bizarre reason you skipped our interview with Kyle last week and jumped ahead to Code Red part two, please, please, please go ahead and visit that. We left Kyle with a nice limerick as a thank you for everything he's done. And so for Code Red, I'm going to let Kyle's final limerick stand. And I don't have one for for you today. But I I wanted to propose something to you, Chris. As we get into this book, there's a lot of change coming. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) A lot of change already happened, particularly around the audiobook of Code Red. And (laughs) like I said, a lot of opinions from our patrons A lot of opinions with you and I. Can we, Chris, table the audiobook talk tonight and the Steven Weber introduction to the Mitrap universe? Is there any possibility you and I will be able to commit to leaving that behind right now and just letting Kyle's work stand on its own? I don't want to get bogged down by our opinions right now on the audiobook. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I I think so. And I'm really happy that our interview with Kyle was actually before the audio book came out or the book was actually released because it forced me to have to read it entirely, you know, on my own. And I actually, I went, I've since gone back and re-listened to some things just cause I was in, intrigued to dip in, dip my toe into the audiobook. And we can say that for another time. So yeah, I, I think one, I've read the book and I, I, I want to just comment on, what Kyle has given us and uh, you know I think with time maybe our takes on the audiobook might change I want to give the guy you know his fair shake I think there's elements of it that I liked elements that I didn't like but um you know we'll can't judge a cover by the book so let's not uh, judge an audiobook by the narrator then
1: (laughs) and judging a cover by the book is what we'll do at the end of this podcast Yes, yeah, yes, 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 I think I think we, we gotta do that. Definitely wanna give them a fair shake for sure. I did listen to the audiobook twice. So I read the paper twice. version. Yeah, I read it fully once and I flipped through various chapters here and there. And I read the audiobook on one speed. Then, like I do to prep for pods, I went back on two and a half to three speed, hoping maybe something will change, hearing it in, in these different formats. And my favorite version is is the paper version. And sometimes yeah. with George Goodell or Armand Schultz and Brad Thor, sometimes and even uh, the Jack Reese, uh, James Reese, Jack Carr series, sometimes I like the audiobook a little bit more. Not always, sure. sometimes. Not true here. So um, we're going to talk about the hardcover and paper print edition of Code Red.
0: And I don't think it's like liking, maybe you do like it more, but I think it like sometimes the audiobook can just elevate it Yes, like to that much – you know, to make the, the make the book look
1: that much better by like Ray Porter, edition. like what right. Ray Porter did yeah. in Only the Dead.
0: Yeah. Oh my God, Only the Dead. Like just, it was really good reading it, but like getting getting that experience it takes it to the next level.
1: You know, really did. Agreed. Anyways,
0: Agreed. we said we weren't gonna do this. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, so hard stop. We're putting stop. We're putting a pin. Let's in let's,
0: it. let's talk about Kyle. Let's talk about we're Kyle. We're putting a pin in. It. Last time we we talked about this, where did we leave off? We were, Mitch was going to that um, meet down with, with the guy in the, Did we, did we get up to that? Where no, the, we the, did.
1: Where? We, we did the action sequence in Sarakib and the meet with Suleiman and the building. And ultimately he turns himself in and we were kind of left wondering, was his sacrifice for not? He had hoped by turning himself in as Mathieu Fournier it would kind of release the tension and, you know, the Syrian army might not fire on the protesters. The protesters mm. might just dissipate if the Syrian army retreats and that didn't happen. So there's this huge shootout rap hiding under a body, you know, in the wheel well of this truck and just trying to not take shots as they're hightailing out of there to turn him over to the Russians. So they're on their way to that safe house where unfortunately that that family gets executed. So what did you think about, that action sequence where the Syrian guards take him and are waiting for the Russians to come and he takes the dudes out and is kind of waiting and he impersonates a Syrian soldier as the Russians arrive so that they underestimate him. They just brush him off to the side as just another guard. And then he can quite literally stab him in the back and, uh, and take out the other guard as he's running away.
0: Yeah, that was pretty good. And I think, um, you know, like the, there's multiple scenes. We're going to get to a couple of them where rap has to check himself a little bit and build up that. We we see that building up of rage. And then we get to immediately see him act on that. Like, cause originally he was just going to let, let things roll. Right. And and sort of like play the, he was very comfortable playing the poor meek Canadian. But as soon as they kill, that 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 family that was just helpless like in, yep. in, the, in the in the in the house something clicked for him and he was just like oh oh hell no like you know um i guess not not enough to like stop them but you know he's always tactically mine so maybe you know he, he couldn't but he had to think about like how he was going to do this and boy did he like that, that was a how he got his revenge and then how he like sets up for the when the russians come and like gets get turns the tide on them yeah crazy and then there's also the scene i'm sort of jumping ahead a lot but it kind of like relates to this but the scene where he's he eventually escapes from Semenov's facility the facility and he, like you know they, they they so underestimate him like they only send two schlubs to get him the first time <laughs> and like th- something that doesn't click that like you know i f- I, I was kind of struggle like they really wouldn't suspect i mean i guess i don't know like uh, maybe not but no one knows he's the angel of death here.
1: I, I buy the transformation, and he's really selling it as if he's yeah, this he lawyer is. who's in over his head. I so will say I'll,
0: that that is one part of the audiobook that I thought Stephen Weber like did well, and maybe that's like why I, I was like cringe. I'm yeah. I, I, I said I was going to talk about this, but I'm not doing it, Chris. I, I, I'm trying to give him a little bit of praise, and. It's just, it was so out of character for Mitch to do that. Yeah. But it's not out of character because he's trying to
1: adopt, fully adopt this character. Yeah. Rap as Matthew Fournier, Fournier in the audiobook is okay, right? Like this sure. kind of scared, quaking voice that Stephen Weber gives him. So I was okay with that side of things. I just don't think we transitioned back to rap and, and established enough of an identity uh, of rap in the audiobook but for another I time i just
0: think back to remember when he was playing the bouncer i think i mentioned this last time but he was playing a bouncer for scott like it wasn't justin bieber it was like a justin bieber type and he wasn't fully committed to that you know like it, it was literally just rap in a suit with a ponytail like trying to be not a bouncer but a bodyguard right but here he's fully embracing his his mission his mission his cover like the only other time that I've seen him like act this well is like, oh, remember when he impersonates Saddam Hussein's son? Oh, it right? was great, dude. Yeah. 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 Or when he impersonates a general. Like the, doesn't he do an Air Force general?
1: He does, I think yeah. that Actually, was a good Actually, Raph's measures. a pretty good actor now that I think about it. No, he is. That's, yeah. that's easily in his yeah, wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. And that goes along. It's just with when he something- when he wants to do it, when he wants to do it. Right. And that goes with something Vince established. Is his ability to read the room and read other people's cues. Like, I think one of his main things is being able to understand, put himself in someone else's shoes, and then play to that person's weakness. Like, he could very quickly pay, pick up on people's vulnerabilities. That's why when he's yelling at Barbara Lonsdale, you know, he's using her tells, her vulnerabilities against her, and he turns her ultimately. Even in a committee hearing or even at the Pentagon, you know, we saw him in transfer power slamming his fists and whatnot. He's able to win those arguments, I think, not just on the merits of the logical statement he's trying to, to portray, but I think he's able to win those arguments because he's using his interlocutors' uh, weak spots and playing to that. And I think so when he's undercover, he's able to do that so well. And then he combines that with the tactics Right, when The guy is at the well, and he and he wants to approach the guy at the well. So he's asking if he wants some water because that makes sense. he would approach him at a well. He doesn't understand him, so it gives him that delay because there's a the language barrier. So he uses that as a delay to get closer. And he's pantomiming with his hand, sip of water, sip of water, but it's really cover for him concealing a knife in the other hand, right. He's, right, a, right. he's able to use that skill set operationally and tactically to get the upper hand. And not to mention American Assassin, like even before his training, he was able to get people to underestimate him, to not show his full set of cards. Sure, and yeah, meanwhile, yeah. take his time to read the room. And, and I think tapping into that here is brilliant. I will say we skip something which might actually be perhaps one of my favorite parts of the book. I, I think when, once we talk about everything, there are some amazing action sequences. But in terms of spy writing and thinking like old school Vince, third option style, one of my favorite things is the reason Rap gets re-apprehended by Semenov's crew and actually sent to Semenov's facility is the escape. He plans with Irene to go through the Israeli mm. border. And the moment from that phone call with Irene, there's a few chapters of him going through the border wall, which I think is really cool. And how even the UN guard you know, doesn't even care. Mossad lets him all the way through too easily, barely checking his paperwork, you know, at the border or, or whoever border security is. And then he tells the woman isn't getting close to him. So he kind of senses the ambush coming, that Spidey sense. And then he gets taken with the balaclavas. And I, I thought it was so cool the way Ben Friedman is brought in. And Ben Friedman's mistake, if you will, is backstabbing, being a piece of shit that he is. Actually, makes sense geopolitically with the Golan Heights uh, trade, and and the fact that that gets wrapped in Semenov's grip, I just think is is a really cool little sequence.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think we mentioned this like that stretch of chapters. It's right around twenty to like twenty five. Some of
1: Kyle's best writing,
0: right? That's that's what you, that's that's right when when it is right. There's a just I would after agree. that?
1: Yeah, and and I think you throw in around that time when he knows Damian Losa burned him. Right. And so he looks for a guy similar in build to him, slips the phone into his bag, and then stakes out his apartment. And he sees the Syrians come in to try to grab him.
0: Yeah, that that reminded me of uh, The Third Option very well. Yeah. You know, like when he, because he, when he's, Rap is such an interesting character because he has, he can be brute force when he wants to be brute force. He can be the shape-shifting undercover guy when he wants to be. He's also, also the tactician who can maneuver in and out of a city in the Middle East, Paris, England. Like, you know, he could pop in and out of anyone, track anybody, do his SDRs, find someone like who looks like him to drop his phone. And what he hides under – he buries himself underneath a brick of – or a blanket of bricks to, like, yeah. watch this guy and to know – to fully confirm that he was uh, t- betrayed by, by Losa going back to Friedman bringing back. We kind of, we kind of mentioned that Kyle was like sort of playing all the hits. Like he wanted to play in the sandbox every single sandbox one last time, or, you know, at least have the ability to write that, you know, I felt, I felt that the Hurley reference was, was like that bringing back Ben Friedman. The only thing that would have made it even better was like, if somehow Donatella would have been here, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then I didn't see that coming. I did not see Friedman turning turning on
1: like uh, like that. That was out of. Uh,
0: did you see it coming like that?
1: No, I didn't. I was wondering what the play was, but it was so typical of who Ben Friedman was when we last encountered and last knew him. But it, he also, we knew he's good. He gets Irene to trust him, you know, to think I'm gonna facilitate this and this will you know our debts will be squared away and rap is even thinking like he can't still hold a grudge about me shooting him in the leg like that was where we last left off with ben friedman in the situation room and rap rap kneecaps him and there's no way rap is thinking like he's that petty he's gonna like do all this and screw over irene kennedy basically put a mark on his forehead simply because he harbors a grudge like that Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't true. It was the Golan Heights trade. And he even says like, this is way above me and you, Mitch. And he tries to make amends with Mitch, where he's I actually have it here. So when he's about to turn Mitch over to the Russians, he says, and I, I love this stuff. It's, it's so Ben Friedman. It's such good spy writing. He's like, the Russians wanted the drug cartels lawyer. That's who I'm turning over. I am not working for the Russians providing them intelligence. So I don't need to tell them your real identity. You know, I am turning over the lawyer they asked for, and that's my end of the bargain. And Israel gets the Golan Heights agreement from the Syrians for this. That kind of horse trading, quid pro quo, I think is really, really cool. And Ben Friedman says this. It's the way of the world, isn't it, Mitch? We bleed and the politicians make speeches. Our prime minister will go over Irene's head to your president, and they'll do some backroom deal that benefits them both. In the event you die... Irene will undoubtedly find ways to make my life miserable for a few years, but nothing more. She understands her place. We both do. I've instructed my men to remove the handcuffs before they take you across. There's no reason for the Russians to see you, and we'll play to that perception. Good luck, Mitch, and I mean that sincerely. Fuck you, Ben, and I mean that sincerely too. That That line landed so hard when I first read it. It landed so hard. And then I listened to Steven Weber's audio recording of it and I was so fucking bummed. I was sorry. I broke the rule. I got to say, I was so bummed with how lame rap's response came off. It was the lamest. Fuck you, Ben. I mean that sincerely too. Like bro, that is not the tone rap would have in that moment with Brent, Ben Friedman. Sorry. I went there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I read that and, um, like I said, that's, we're right in this wheelhouse of of Kyle's, you know, some, some of his best, what I think is some of his best writing and some of the best writing of this book. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, this book takes, like, some weird, it's it's very rap-centric. We're, like, with rap pretty much the entire time, right? Yeah, it's true. I, I, I feel like that's fitting, you know? It, it makes sense. He wants to, you know, it's kind of like clinging on to this character. I don't want to let a guy, I, I don't even want to waste my time going to another character i guess in the beginning we get a little bit of losa you know back and forth to 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 damien but then after that we're just we're just with uh we're just with rap and so after this you know he gets he gets he is able to escape gets turned back over this man's still able to get out again this this after being underestimated again like he gets and this is where we truly realize or mitch realizes what's going on you know yeah. like we and we we as a reader we kind of knew what was going on but we we get it fully um explained to us when you know seminov tries to interrogate him obviously thinks that he knows everything about the cartel's operation he wants it all plays out these unrealistic plans is going to is going to torture him and then but it, I think ultimately, rep realizes that he cannot. He can no longer sit idly by. Yep. This is this is now all right. They had their fun, but this this can't happen. So he's he, and that, that's really where he he sort of takes a turn and realizes. All right, I gotta I gotta I, my debt with Damien Losa doesn't doesn't matter
1: anymore. Right. Right. I think I was satisfied with how those that storyline transitioned because mm-hmm. in part 1 we were both a little hesitant getting into the the drug market, right? The Arab drug incursion in Europe. I was like how does
0: this gonna why does Mitch care about this at all,
1: you know? Yeah. Why does Mitch care and why why should we care? And Yeah. I didn't know if it did enough to drive the plot. I think the Semenov conversation at the facility when Raps turned over by the Israelis I think unlocks a big part of the plot that I'm jiving with. Like scorecard, if I was going to give 10 points in the plot in the first half just setting up the European drug trade and Losa's wanting to analyze the Captagon you know, tablets and get the read of the land, I like a 2, 3, maybe a 4. But once we hear the maniac that Semenov is and right. his plans to triumphantly return to the Kremlin and this whole drug thing is... Part of his larger plan in in the Russian asymmetrical warfare uh, manifesto, if you will, once that clicks for rap, it clicked for me. And he's like, this is more about a drug trade and settling my debt with with some Mexican, right? He's like, this is actually about us all being pawns and the whole Syrian conflict being pawns in a Russian attack on the West. And, and the Ferrari line is perfect, like – Kyle's got the zingers when, when he's telling Rap is I think, telling, I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Losa. I think it was. He's giving Losa the dump on, on what he's learning. And he's like, you hand a Russian the keys to a Ferrari, they're not going to even want to drive it. They're just going to want to use the keys to scratch up everyone else's car and destroy everyone else. And wraps like, that's Semenov. And so, like, if I don't stop this, it has nothing to do with them making money. The drug is losing them money. Right. It 100% has to do with him infiltrating the West. And now the xenophobia of the Arab attack in Salerno and all the other things going on, this this fear of the migrants, they were stoking that, right? It's all manufactured. It, it's, it, it's not that people hate each other, you know, de facto. It's that it's being stoked so someone can manipulate you. And now Semenov's plan is to do that with the border crisis in America, with Latino stereotypes now blaming them for causing America's downfall and addiction to this drug. And that's, I think, I think it's a really crazy plan. And one other thing that elevates it for me, Irene Kennedy describes Semenov as perhaps the world's most dangerous person.
0: Yeah, that was it was spooky, the chilly when she when she describes that.
1: That was chilly. So we've got Claudia warning. Damian Losa is an evil, fucked up Irene Kennedy, a dark Irene Kennedy. You've got Kennedy warning. Semenov is one of the most dangerous people in the world. I think Kyle's crafting some really, really good villains. And just here's a quote on what I'm talking about. Seminov, just to cap it all off. Semenov was a visionary who understood humanity's weakness and had a gift for exploiting them. If he could create sufficient chaos, could he divide the West? Could he break up the European Union and replace America's democracy with an an authoritarian who promised stability and order? The cost of defending against his programs and repairing the damage when we fail is astronomical. If there's anyone more dangerous in the world right now, I can't think of who. He's not just constantly reinventing asymmetrical warfare. He's actively waging it. Mm. That's chilling. And, and that coming from Kennedy is even more chilling.
0: Yeah, this, I liked Seminov a lot. I don't know if we want to jump to the end, but I, I didn't like how he went out so easily though. Does that, did that jibe with this mastermind? I mean, I guess he's ultimately weak, right? I, in, and Kyle does do a good job of setting that up in the sense that, yeah, he wears a general suit, but he never earned any of the of the medals. He's more of a frilly, you know, likes his finer things in life, was relegated to this thing. I don't know. I just, he, he was built up to be this bigger, you know, genius. And then rap was able to easily get him, in, like, in the end. I mean, it was, pretty ingenious plan like can we can yeah. we can we talk about the ending a little bit like you know i, I there's there's some things i don't know I, there are a couple of things i want to talk about in the build-up because essentially you know it's a couple of chapters but rap and team spend what is it almost two months in country like yeah
1: prepping it's a couple
0: of weeks prepping like waiting for this op to happen like that was pretty crazy like we rarely get
1: time lapses like that yeah. in these stories I think I will just respond with that. The fact that the action set piece at the end was meticulously planned. So getting Semenov, I wouldn't say was easy. Maybe the fact in the latter chapters, the very ending chapters, that he's working for us essentially, right? That he's providing us all this information. Maybe that's a little too easy. But the fact that to get this guy, we had to set up this op. And on the phone, Mitch has to say to Irene, just send me my guys.
0: Like, yeah, just some. Like, I was waiting th-
1: for like that to happen. I was like, waiting. So, I needed yeah. it to happen. Like you said, it was so rap centric. Every action scene is rap driven, and I'm loving it. But then right when I want to scratch that itch of a Scott Coleman, a Bruno McGraw, a, a Maslick, a Charlie Wicker, Kyle gives it to we him us. We get them all. He yeah. gives it full on. And the fact that that scene had to cook, right? Like, Coleman had to come in wearing the jalaba to cover his hair and only his eyes could be seen. He shows up at the door. He's like, "Damn, Mitch, I was I was fishing on the Med." Like, and then everyone else has their own little entrance. I just think and Charlie Wicker comes in in the motorbike to scout out his perch. I I thought all of that was so much fun. It was cooking, it was stewing, and it built up to an incredible set action piece. So for all that, I don't think Semenov was taken down too easily all right i shouldn't
0: say taken down too easily. i thought like you're right the later scenes where he's flipped really easily yeah that just i don't know maybe i'm picking too many minutes a
1: little but but that could ding your buy-in i I could see that Mm -hmm. the same way when rap is or matthew fournier is escorted by only these two motorbikes and he's allowed in the passenger seat of a car after being captive really really underestimated that's a stretch. Uh, yeah, that that's a stretch on buy in for me. So I'll I'll give you a couple of dings here along the way.
0: That was a cool action set piece though, like how he got out and you know he pulls like a Fast and the Furious, pull the brake, grab the driver as I like roll out the side door to, to break my fall, punch one guy and then use my speed to sprint away. Like, boom, yeah. <laughs> Rab figured it out.
1: And that, and I liked his time with the insurgents I, and. We have a candidate for a winner of this book. If it, it's not uh, Fadin, the the museum director, librarian guy from the first half, Kadir here is just a very endearing character.
0: Real, like he's he's
1: he's got to be a, a,
0: a one of our winners because
1: yeah, and his fifteen year old nephew. That together they are just yeah. they, they got to be the winners. And the sacrifice he makes.
0: Yeah, that, that was that was touching, and I like it. It, I don't know, I I fell for it and I, I i felt that kyle developed that character really well and, and to get us to feel for it and like putting some of the you know i'm not the coke guy but like some of the quotes where he at the end he's talking to mitch about you cling to you cling to life sometimes yeah. you need to you know forget about that and he, he wasn't doing it like what every other novel has, has depicted people of his culture essentially doing a suicide bomb he, he was doing it for they took everything away from him and like yeah. just the, it, it, the way Kyle was writing his like schizophrenicness yeah. was, was uh, insane to read like this. Like, I was an engineer, like, you know, like yeah, I, yeah. I had a life, like, you know, and then it, it, would, it would, he would pop back like to him and the way he Rap was able to get him to buy in by giving him these small little tasks and, yeah. you know, like sort of stimulating him. I don't know. I really, really enjoyed reading that character. Those scenes I, were, were great. I a
1: hundred percent. I really enjoyed that character. And and I got the sense, and so there are two things going on. Because operationally, this is very sound. He was an engineer, and Rap even picked up on the beams and the structural supports. And Scott Coleman even says, that's where all the shooters will be if they're doing a prisoner transfer. So like taking out this building operationally is the best thing to do. And he's like, but nobody can survive. There, there's nobody who can survive that explosion if we bring the truck in. And Rap's like, let me worry about that. So Rap gets, tactically, this is a good move, but he's never sent one of his guys to his death, his, his own death. No yeah, one. he
0: says that too. Man. He's like,
1: I never used a suicide bomber, which also thinking tactically kind of gives them cover, cover. because then it will yeah. look like the West. It will look like an insurgency because we wouldn't, and most people know Irene Kennedy wouldn't make Mitch wouldn't do that. use suicide bombers and let his men do that. Scott wouldn't do it, right, in his company. So it's cover from being the West. Yet at the same time, Rap has this, I think, this clear sense of truth that this is what Kadir wants. Like, he he has all his mental issues, so he may not be thinking clearly, but it is the right move to allow Kadir to do this. It's almost the closure that this man needs, and Rap will – not make him I don't even know if rap formally asks him to do it but he more like leads the horse to water and and I don't get the sense he's manipulating a vulnerable person I know I I was
0: thinking that too and no I think he's
1: building a connection and there's this clarity I, I can't explain it and and Kyle's words capture it perfectly when they're talking about that and he sees in Mitch he's like you're clinging on too dearly to life you know you get this clarity that Kadir has a purpose and a mission and to not let him do it would be more damaging to make Kadir live post fact that he could have been more helpful in exacting revenge on the Russians and stopping this plot and then not letting him do that in some sense is more damaging to Kadir's mental health and his future than letting I think him when, have this moment.
0: Yeah I think when Rap saw him building the bomb, like it, it kind of like tossing it around like yeah. like it was a uh, hot potato. I think he kind of knew that this guy we he, he just couldn't build up enough, you know, couldn't stay sane for enough minutes to formulate a plan like this. And Rap was just giving him an opportunity to to further you know, to to get it a, a little bit quicker than what maybe Kadir would've would have eventually gotten to,
1: you know. He would have just blown himself up by mishandling the bomb, you know, or sure. like dropping it. And rap's giving him a purpose instead of just a tragic, sad ending. This is a good Yeah, I, a mission.
0: I it's funny, I did feel like that when I was reading. I was like, this is is rap. It's like the only like weird sticky thing. But in the end, I, I sort of came down on the line that it, it wasn't, it was Kadir's choice. Yeah. Combined. Rap, with... rap even asked him like multiple times. Like, are you okay
1: doing you know, like you don't have to like, are you okay doing this? Yeah. yeah. Another thing is the cultural aspect that's been built up of what isolation in a culture that is so hospitable means like uh, to be quote unquote kicked out of your village, that's more than just not having a physical home. That is not having a community. Like right. that's a, that it's such a major thing that I think rap picks up on. It's probably worse for this guy to live knowing he has to be this hermit isolated, never going to be accepted. And and just, it was a fitting ending and it was it's terrible that it had to get to that point. But also what we know about Semenov's plan, this is permanently damaging. Like if we buy Semenov's tests and his research, there's no coming back to this. Another fuzzy moment here is, and is it out of character when Mitch tells Scott Coleman and the boys, I really honestly don't care if anybody walks out of this building alive, researcher, scientist, prisoner. I don't know if that's just rap admitting the mission is so important, and and the actual prisoners are are done; they're toasted for life. Like they're they're already victims. It's okay with blowing them all up. Did you feel that was also a moral gray zone?
0: Yeah. Another thing that was like they're sort of threading this line of is is that the Mitrap way. I get the scientists, you know, the like they're they're complicit in in the act. He's always been. You know, like, he's always been like that with, you know, those kind of people. The prisoners, on the other hand, man, I don't know. But, you know, he then goes out of his way to, like, be kind to the prisoners that they release from the truck they steal at the end. you That's know true. He, And even though in his mind he says, I don't know why I'm doing this considering that
1: these guys are probably
0: hezbollah you know like some sort of terror you know associated but you know at the moment they're no longer my enemy
1: but those guys didn't have the psychoses and the withdrawal symptoms that are permanent and lasting right they weren't transferred there yet so there is hope for them that's why he let the prisoners go but the ones in the building going through the program already i think rap is just kind of resigned to saying the damage is done
0: i guess he saw what he, he saw what happened with with Kadir, and I was like, "Oh, this this is not not good." So yeah, not not
1: good at all. There is a well, scene to the- too on their escape where they're kind of looking through thermals or infrareds, and they see two guards like checking a fence or something, and they don't actually want to shoot them. Like our mission's done; we're packing up and flying out of here. Do you remember? There was a line about that too. Oh, it was
0: like they they saw these guys coming, and he tells Charlie, "Are they coming to us? If not, let them go." let him go because it's not worth essentially not worth giving up the sniper position exactly and he didn't have a a beat on him from where he was he could just see them he could get a shot off and if they're not a threat
1: that's a tactical
0: yeah it was a tactical thing
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: but those little little things were just like eh,
1: you know they make you think maybe it's uh, indicative of a changing world a changing landscape
0: could be yeah very much so
1: like the enemy is is not the enemy of the early two thousands, you know, every everyone who's dressed this way and military aged man, you know, shoot him if it's not, it's not black and white anymore. Or, you know, I think maybe it's indicative of that. The same way around the campfire, rap was reflecting in the first few chapters about is the Taliban even the enemy anymore? Is Al Qaeda even the enemy anymore? Right, right. Who's the enemy? You know, it's. I think it's, blurring the edges, in the field. And I think making the job that much harder. And and so Rap able mm. to cut through that and say, Kadir's going to do what he has to do, kind of gives, like I'll say again, clarity or definition to the the mission parameters. And then, then by saying the guards just walking around who aren't a threat to us, we can let go, is again another way to find definition in a battlefield that is so blurred.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. So what do you think of the ending here? The... Uh... We we get this big action set piece. The bomb goes off. We get some guns going. The the boys do their action. Ultimately, Rap's able to get Semenov out. With I thought I thought like the ex- we kind of knew that they were spending this time be- because he tells us like he's been with Bruno McGraw. Feeding like he he's the only one who's able to go out because Bruno's like, as American as they come uh, or New York as they come. I guess is what he says.
1: Yo, I actually got the quote on Bruno.
0: Okay, go. Go, go. go. Only
1: because I'm reading this chapter and I'm like, this dude is my spirit animal. I'm like, I don't know why. I I was I was jiving with this. So first off, he gives a physical description, which is not much me, but he says, quote, McGraw was a top-notch shooter, but also as American as someone could get, voice, gait, mannerisms. You could dress that guy up like Lawrence of Arabia, and he'd still be the personification of a Bruce Springsteen song. (laughs) Like, there it is. That's Kyle. Kyle being Kyle. But then this is the part that I, I really connected with. Of all Scott Coleman's men, McGraw was the most susceptible to the crushing boredom that was inevitable in battle. While Charlie Wicker's idea of a good time was letting snow pile up on him while he waited for an elk to wander by, McGraw was Manhattan born and bred. He loved action whenever and whenever he can get it. Combat, sports, fast cars, Las Vegas binges. Give him something to do and he went full blast. Give him nothing to do and he went slowly insane.
0: That's totally you.
1: I identify Bruno McGraw all of a sudden, you know, one of my favorite characters on the team now.
0: <laughs> That's totally you. Yeah, so we, we get the sense, you know, stuff's going on and he even
1: drops that.
0: You know, Scott's been practicing on this mock-up that he built out of like trash and a, and, a, and a, a simulator on a computer to, to to be able to fly that helicopter. It was you know pretty intensive uh, operation that they were able to pull off, bringing in these other shooters from the you know various places in the Arab world, relying on them. Everything had to go off without a hitch, you know. Stake, you know, doing an old-fashioned stakeout to get that um, prisoner transport tr- uh, truck. Pretty ingenious. I was I was pretty bought into that that final mission. Yeah, and then you know he's able to get Semenov out alive and turns him pretty easily. Yeah, so that I, I kind of already mentioned my my thing on that. The the last thing I wanted to mention with the ending here is: Did you have a bone chilling like moment when when we get the call to Loza, Uh-oh. like with 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 the gun?
1: Great, great scene. I think if. The set action piece was this race to the finish line. You know, a good Mitch Rapp book has this race to the finish line, jetting to the end with this huge set piece. Then you got to kind of come down from it. And this could be tough, right? Like wrapping up the op, turning over Semenov was whatever. But you want something else to kind of satisfy as this post-climactic action denouement. Both the LOSA phone call at the Prague safe house – And the epilogue with Mitch coming home, both of those as an ending absolutely satisfy. So, on our patron call last night, a couple people I know Mark had some ideas on the ending. Was it really this knockout ending, this major Kyle going out with a bang? And I'm going to say, I'm going to say I'm glad it wasn't in the sense of all of a sudden somebody gets blown up, you know, like Charlie Wicker's dead. No, like I didn't want something that was that rattling to the series. And I don't think Kyle wanted to do that to Don, you know, like something major with Irene or someone else said, like Mitch becomes president, like this big bang of a life. Mitch loses an arm. Yeah, yeah. Mitch loses his arm right now. He's walking around with a peg leg, you know, whatever. I was almost glad it didn't culminate in something like that. And instead, we're kind of taken down into this different space of thrilling, but not action-packed. And so the LOSA phone call is thrilling. You know, he's wondering: do I have to get out of town? I tried to call Claudia, right? I made an attempt to make friends, to say the debt is settled neither of us got fully what we wanted but claudia you're alive for what i offered mitch and now even though i betrayed mitch he can forgive me for that and by forgive i mean not kill me and i won't have to spend my life looking over my shoulder and here i am like oh damn is mitch gonna take the deal is losa gonna have to you know be watching behind him every step of the way and mitch just gets the upper hand in a really creative way immediately immediately And the best part is they're locking down what they thought was a safe house they just moved into. They're locking it down. He's calling in shooters. They're barricading. They're putting the blinds down. He's afraid even if the glass is bulletproof that Mitch can still get to him. And all of a sudden he turns and he sees the Glock on the table. That was chilling. And Julian's like, what are we doing? we got to get out of here. He's like, now we're good. It was just this subtle symbol of rap saying, I could – fuck you anytime i want to right right. i could do whatever i want to and guess what you help save claudia the debt is paid and i thought that was it. it was almost as satisfying as like grisha azarov and mitch parting ways sure as mutual this gentleman's agreement right like we're both almost as good as one another we've had our things in the past but as professionals there's a code and you know, like rival gangs, there's at least some sense of street code, you know, between them and and when something's going down. And I just felt it was this way for two men at the top of their game to say, the game-recognized game, you know, and Mitch say, I'm better than you, and Losa has to accept it because he tried to betray him. I just thought it was a really, really bone-chilling, thrilling, but not action-packed way to wrap up. Yeah,
0: no. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think the... You know this idea that rap is always you, you can't do anything to, to beat him like he's he's just going to be there and I, I don't know how the hell he got that gun in the house do you, oh. do you think he, was he there
1: dude i'd love was a novella
0: yeah was he actually there did he did, does he have someone on the inside he someone on the
1: inside right does irene yeah. or claudia have someone on the right. inside
0: but the phone his phone is traced there but you know that
1: could be easily fixed so that yeah i don't on. know I would love, love to know the like how the gun got there. We should have asked Kyle. Yeah, I was thinking back on it, and again, not to armchair quarterback. I'm going to try to not do that anymore on the pod. I was thinking, and this is only like after my fourth time reading it, how cool would it have been if there was a little line about either one of the guards or some assistant to Julian wearing the dress shoes? Because mm. a through line had been Rapp's dress shoes <laughs> those shoes those that he shoes. didn't want to part with. So I was Losa like,
0: would have known that though. Yeah.
1: would Losa have seen his shoes at any point or Losa
0: had his guy make the shoes. He hooked him up. Yeah. So, Losa would've known like, even if he hadn't seen him, be like, Those are those are, like amazing shoes. Like, but can
1: you like, imagine like an assistant to Julian or something being like, Where'd you get those shoes? He goes, Oh, I just picked him up, you know, at a shop or whatever, and and I don't know, just something about the shoes to kind of tie it all together right. to let us know right. either rap was there or rap was on the inside. Oh, that would
0: have been a good idea if, like, yeah, the guy got shoes. Oh, I just
1: I bought it from this guy outside. Like he just, he just sold it to me. Yeah, like the shoes and the Glock or something sitting there too. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, it was it was good, and I know I know you were a sucker for the epilogue. Yeah, dude, you you absolutely know it. You know it. And and I'm not going to try to brag. I knew the bike was in the trunk. I really did.
0: You did. You did.
1: Oh, I, I knew rap was coming home with that bike. I just knew it in my bones. I didn't know it was going to be an $8,000 bike that he got parts from all over the world to, to soup up this bike as he did. But I, I knew when Rap came home, especially when we got the details about it being months and months and months, mm. and is like, Anna's going to eventually catch on. You know, she can't go horseback riding forever. At some point, she's going to wonder about Mitch and our life and where we are, what we're doing. And I knew he was going to bring home the bike. It was, mm. I just had a feeling. But it was perfect with the luggage and go get it out of the car. It was perfect. Oh.
0: That was great. How about you want to you want to you want to give us some scores? So, you you, you kind of brought this up when we when we first got on. Um, we should have talked about this last year with Oath o- the loyalty. We I think we were kind of like just getting our stride with the scorecards. We were just rolling with it, but that's the only book that we have a scorecard for. Every other loyalty, book, yeah, we gave it uh, both a letter grade and a score out of ten. So in old for old time's sakes, should we give code red a uh an OG A B C D F one out of ten score? And then we can go into the actual scorecard?
1: I think we have to because every other Mitch rap book is one through ten and a letter based score A B C D F. I think we have to do that. I definitely want to do the scorecard too. And maybe Oath of Loyalty. I was a bit of a prisoner of the moment, I think, with that book. So maybe one day we go back and give our 1 through 10 ABCD on that as well. We give
0: it each a 44? What the 44
1: hell? out of 50, yeah. Okay, I will say this before we get into the numbers and ratings of it all. You give it a 9 on plot. Uh, and I'm looking at it. Compared to what Semenov and Losa were built up as as villains – There's no way Legion, the three girls or sisters or whatever, deserve a really good villain score because Losa and Semenov are done so well. They're really good. It makes Legion look like just super what the hell was that. So I think I overgraded a bit on Oath of Loyalty. I was a bit of a prisoner of the moment how much I liked that book. However, I stand by this. And when I said to Kyle last year, it was his consent to kill. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually double down on this if it were a combined book with Enemy at the Gates. I think if you put Enemy at the Gates and Oath of Loyalty together, I stand by that that arc was Kyle's consent to kill. It was him doing a really major shakeup for the series. It had a huge change to America, a huge change to Mitch's personal life and the Manassas uh, you know, group. With the Nashes. So I think I'm going to stand by that. I will admit my scores are a little inflated on it looking back, but I still loved it if I think of it as part two to Animate the Gates.
0: I mean, in the old days, it would just be be one book, right? Like, Consent to Kill is freaking huge.
1: Yeah. It would have been one book, or we would have got the third book in that trilogy, kind of closing yeah, it out yeah. instead of jumping to the Code Red, you know, kind of side story. I, I just think there were some things that we are not privy to about. Edits, changes, updates, you know, external pressures. So we don't know anything, but I still stand by I loved to animate the gates to Oath of Loyalty. I, uh, the scores may have been a little inflated at the time, but I love them. So I think I got to give this book a solid B.
0: Maybe, maybe B, B plus. Okay. Again, 80, 88, 89 range. 8.8, 8.9 range. You know, not not the best, Kyle, but good. Like not not definitely not the worst, Kyle.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going absolutely solid B plus. Could flirt with A minus. So eight, nine,
0: yeah, 89 eight point nine. Eight nine is a B plus. So B plus.
1: Eight nine B plus. Maybe an eight nine five. You can round it up if you want. A minus by by a hundredth of a decimal. You know, if you want to, if you want to really, you know, go through it with a fine tooth comb. I th- I am giving it a B plus, but I think it was a stellar book. Most people have pegged it from what I've heard online, and you know, with different people I've spoken to, as a middle of the pack Mitch Rapp book overall, and a middle of the pack Kyle Mills Mitch Rapp book. I'm thinking like, not in the top ten of all Mitch Rapp books, but definitely holding down a twelve ish spot somewhere around okay. there. And not top five of Kyle's, but definitely holding down a a six, seven spot for sure.
0: All right, so we have The Survivor, Order to Kill, Enemy of the State, Red War, Lethal Agent, Total Power, Enemy of the Gates, Oath of Loyalty, and now Red War. Code Red. Code Red, sorry.
1: Do we do the scorecard and then say where it fits in Kyle's books, or?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's do our let's do our let's do our, our short card. So action. What do you what do you give
1: me the action here? Oh, I love that it was rap centric. Every action sequence hit. We're in Sarakib at the negotiation, the final action piece, the little things in, in between when rap's at these safe houses. We didn't even mm. talk the compressor scene.
0: No, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: When when the guys are hassling him for the protection money, the racketeering. I think because of all that, I gotta go a solid nine. Most of the action mm. hit, and it lasted start to finish. What do you say?
0: Yeah, I was in an eight, and when you were you started like laying more things out, I bumped it up to an eight point five. You know, well, it was solid. It wasn't wasn't like action packed, but there was a lot of big set pieces that I liked. So give it a solid eight point five.
1: Okay. The plot. I want to hear from you because we had some inconsistencies, some buy in. Like things a plot that wasn't flowing specifically early on where do you land on a one through ten score for plot
0: i think because if i was grading the first half the second half of the book by itself i would go pretty high like a nine but when i think about the first half of the book that was anything more like seven and below so i don't know seven and a half it's The plot didn't hook me. And I think ultimately this is like one of the problems with being a side quest story is like it took some time to get me bought into it. Maybe I'm digging it in the wrong spot here. You know, like I wanted to, I was like, why do I care about this book? It just took a, it took a while to get there. And then I finally did. I think it was, it was truly like post- you know him running away from Sakib, and and once we once we once we were past that part, there were, obviously there was pieces of building up to that that I liked, but once we get past that, and we're pretty much just Mitch on his own. Like that's when it started humming, you know, and that's yeah. when we started getting into the writing with Ben Friedman, the, the trade and Israel and that kind of stuff. Like that. so,
1: yeah, I don't know, but seven and a half, eight around. I, there. I think that's fair. The biggest ding is it took a while to get going. I just remember. From the prologue in Salerno f- through a couple of few chapters, I was like, I don't know why I care about what Losa's doing and what this terrorist Arab network might be doing with the drugs. But you're right. Once we got to the Ben Friedman of it all, once Losa turned on Rap, and Rap had to find a way to navigate Losa turning on him with the, with the cell phone he planted in the guy, culminating from that point, culminating up to when he – Talks with Semenov and gets the big picture, and he gets filled in on Semenov's asymmetrical warfare plans. It it got it for me. It took a while. Because of that, I'm going to go eight. I'm going to give I'm it the go. benefit of the doubt with an eight on that.
0: All right. What about buying, Mike?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think you brought up two things tonight that made it hard for me. Wrapping just escorted in the passenger seat of a car as Matthew Fournier out of the Semenov facility where he was essentially a prisoner under watch. The transportation was way weak. That lost me the early buy-in of the drug trade. But the problem is the action had me bought in. We open with Scott and team with the helicopter. Remember the double fake with the helicopter Yeah, when they roll out. I forgot
0: about that scene. That was a cool scene.
1: Oh, remember how much I went on and on and ran my mouth in part one about rap reflecting on what is home and where is his place with Claudia, with Anna in Virginia, you know, or the smells of the the open fire food cooking in the desert and the sand. I was bought in in that conversation. I was bought in with the early action. I think because of that early buy-in, then it kind of waned. Then the buy-in once we were with rap operating solo, since that's sustained for a really long time, I I want to settle on a four. Is that being too generous, Chris? It, no, do I, I have think to go I, down.
0: No, I think it was going to do the same thing because I I don't want to ding it twice. Right for the what I kind of already said, you know, I could have just given plot an eight eight point five and then given buy-in a three. You know, makes no the same difference, but you know. That's the tricky thing with Bli buying and blot here, it's sometimes it they have overlap. But I, I don't want to think it twice because there were parts, you know, like you said, once we got humming with Mitch, I was fully bought in. And once I understood why I should care about this story, then I was bought in. Just it took a little bit of time to get there. Yep. Okay. And I like to piggyback on that, the bag I thought like, you know, Losa we kind of already had this this feeling that, you know, kind of like a guy not to be fucked with really liked his character development. And then equally Semenov was a pretty good villain. Like I, I wouldn't have, ultimately these guys are gone, but like, I feel like these could have been like characters that if Kyle was continuing, continuing to write, could have been around for a long
1: time. Yeah, I think you're right. And before we give our thoughts here, There's a couple other things with Losa that I wanted to bring up. And one is when you got to ask yourself, what would Kennedy do? (laughs) And your answer to what would Irene Kennedy do? You do the opposite or or you do the same thing, but in a darker way, like what would Kennedy do guided by patriotism, loyalty, friendship, she would move mountains for you. you got to take that same answer, but flip it upside down and say, What would Damien Losa do? And the fact that Claudia warns Mitch about that, I think it's perfect. So Claudia gives this description. I think this is crazy. Here we go. Quote Claudia's description of Losa as an evil reflection of Irene Kennedy kept turning over in Rapp's mind. What would Kennedy, unbound by sentiment, loyalty, or patriotism, do in this situation? How would she view an utterly expendable operative with no information that could be useful to the enemy? It wasn't a difficult question to answer. She'd throw him to the wolves.
0: Mm.
1: And it's like now rap is making decisions on the ground knowing Damien Losa would do that to him because Irene Kennedy would do it. And that's it, it, it if she – if that demanded the, for her right. mission. Right. Uh, I thought that was really cool. And then Losa, his reading on rap is really, really keen because at one point he's wondering about – was Mitch the right guy for the job to send in? And he's thinking, quote, Historically, Mitch Rapp wasn't a man prone to expending energy on petty revenge. It was a philosophy Losa himself shared. Killing needed to serve a tangible purpose, neutralizing threats, setting examples, eliminating competitors. But emotional satisfaction? That was for psychopaths and amateurs, two things that Mitch Rapp was not. That tells me Losa has Rapp's number, and yeah. Rapp and Kennedy and Claudia even Warren's. Losa's number so I think there's this really cool cat and mouse going back and forth that elevates Damian Losa for me and then the phone calls when Losa calls Kennedy excuse me when Losa calls Claudia asking for Mitch's forgiveness and and to basically tug on that, that warrior code I thought the conversations with Losa on the phone were really really cool and those insights into who he was elevate him I think I'm going to go as high as four, four on the villains.
0: Four. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you there with the four. I agree. Solid villains. I might even go 4.5. Like, I'm toying with 4.5. Yeah. I'm going to stay at right, a four. We'll, let's, let we'll I think I was four.
1: generous on buy-in. I'm going to stay at four. All right. What, what about the good guys, Mike? The good guys are a five. I mean... <laughs> Whether it was fought in the museum director, Kadir, the the old man at the end, the engineer, excuse me, the engineer. I'm a scientist. Uh, the, those were some good guys that you didn't expect to have as good guys. And then the, the description of Bruno McGraw. I yeah, just, I think it's that was fun.
0: I think it's like getting getting the gang back together one last time. Yep. Like that's what sung to me. Like I love the this I don't know why I love it, but this little line where rap like goes and finds Charlie Wicker in his hideout. And all he simply does is like he sticks his, he wouldn't be able to tell that he's there, but he just sticks his hand out from underneath, like to let Mitch know that he's there. And he's, he's, he knows that Mitch is there. And then like retreats back in. Like that was just so funny to me. Yeah. The the good guys got to be a five.
1: The fact that we get them at the beginning too, we get to see the op Mm -hmm. from the get-go and then they're gone for most of the book. And Mitch says, send me my guys at the end. It's just, it's just awesome. I loved how that was done. Setting Chris, what do you think? I mean, Syria plays a big role in this book. Were you satisfied going around the different towns of Syria?
0: I was, you know, I'm not as familiar on, this is like my own fault in terms of, I felt like I understood Ukraine, like the Ukraine story with, 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 um, Brad's novel more because I've been reading a lot more news about it. Obviously, I was reading about the Syrian war when it broke out, and then just like most things, they they stopped covering it, right? Because it's been going on for so long. You know, I popping around from different villages, like Kyle does a good job describing various things, describing that town where the insurgents who helped rap in his escape. Describing Damascus, or I guess he he wasn't in Damascus. He was in um. He was in Aleppo at the very end, right? Like that's where his
1: he was holding out. Oh, well, they planned the op in Idlib, Idlib, and then yeah, when they were well, they they got out to Cyprus or Greece. In the very end, the very end, out. they went to Cyprus. Yeah. yeah,
0: I don't know. I think I think Kyle did a good job of describing. But I'm not – I don't know the accuracy of it. Like, What what, what would you say, Mike? Yeah,
1: you no, know, I think it was good. I was transported there. At one point, the different towns and villages maybe got jumbled mm. where they didn't have enough of their own flavor. But for me to, to have a mental map of everything. But the ones that stood out were the opening campfire scene where they're rescuing the hostages and Scott Coleman jumps in and they're shooting up that, that em- empty house, that farmhouse. Uh, When they roll out the backside of the chopper, I thought that I was, I got the smells, the sights, the sounds from really early on in the book. I was transported there. Uh, That was Afghanistan, right? That was actually the Hindu Kush. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, So I love that Syria got a little jumbled, but then again, I'm thinking of the building in Sarakib with the crowd protesting outside, crumbling buildings that rep jumps from one to the other over this like 15 foot gap meeting you know this negotiation on the top floor of a crumbling building but that was cool i think i really liked it and then as we get towards the mediterranean rap is able to escape from the transport by rolling down a hill kind of in a more wooded area like a woodsy area and then find the village with the insurgents there i felt like i was taking on a good tour of the landscape yeah the israeli border maybe was described well too I didn't have a visual of the checkpoint, but I knew the steps of the process. Sure. A visual there, I think, could have really helped. I think I have to go three and a half is disingenuous. I'm going to go four, though it's probably the lower end of a four.
0: I know. Like, I wanted to give it a 3.5, but is that, like, too rude? It's like, I'm going to stick with 3.5.
1: Yeah, I know. I think that's justifiable. I do. Yeah. All right, you want to give us a winner, and then we'll come back and judge this cover by the book? We got four covers, believe it or not, uh, that I was able to scrounge up. So. Wow,
0: four covers for a book that just came out. two weeks I think so most people crazy.
1: have only really seen the main one, the American print, but we found the UK, the Australian, and a random one that was called Library Binding. I, I don't know what that means or where you'll find it, but it was listed as the Library Binding. So
0: Okay. All
1: right. I mean, come on. Who's the winner of this book? Mike? it's the Syrians,
0: yeah, it is it's it's you can pick any of them kadir, you could pick the the museum guy, you could pick kadir's- uh, nephew. I feel like Kyle, you know and maybe I'm digging maybe I'm digging to it too much because he he does do a good job of setting up these other you know Syrian characters, kind of showing like what life is, even that like those people in the village. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's my
1: winner. Yep, and we talked about that. I th- I'm going to try to find something different here. I could say the team up, you know, when, when Scott and the guys are training for the, the ops, bike, The bike? The bike at the end. I'm, oh, dude, I have to say that. I thought it was a absolutely perfect epilogue for Kyle to go out, not necessarily on a bang of something major happens, but on a bang in terms of tying up what he did for the series. Yeah. It is a it was perfect. Fitting. If you throw in the dad comment early on. Right. Because that's what Kyle dad. brought
0: to series,
1: so. exactly. and the series. Ba- exactly. The
0: best thing that he brought to the series. So
1: Right. And Mitch wondering, like, whoa, if that's going to be what's going on here, what does it mean to be a father? What is the responsibilities of this? Yet I was away. Yet I was doing something. That's going to give Anna and other kids like her in America a future, right? So we had to do that. But then as a father, he wanted to make up for it. Claudia says he spoils the girl, and he he didn't care. And I love the little tiny detail of the effort he went into to get bike parts to assemble this thing, custom make it, because he knows how much it means to her. And that was his coming home gift. Yet, of course, Mitch being Mitch wouldn't just take it out of the trunk and give it to her. <laughs> he flips her the keys and says, grab my bag, like, <laughs> grab my duffel. That was just hysterical. And so what a, what a great ending. I got to give it to the bike scene. If I were going to find a runner up though, cause I wanted to say this too, it's gotta be these phone calls. I was intrigued when Losa calls Claudia or Mitch calls Irene and different people are tracking each other's phone calls mm. uh, and he's using the burner phones. I felt like some of these conversations and the dialogue really helped the book because most of it were just with Mitch and I loved it. It it was his perspective on the ground going through what he's going through, getting captured, escaping, getting captured, escaping, you know, being transported by Syrians, handed off to the Russians, the Israelis. It does that like three you. times? Right. And then even yeah. When he called Irene, they first brought up Ben Freedom, and I'm like, oh, hell yeah, let's go. When Claudia looks at her phone and sees DL, like there's so much suspense built into those simple phone calls because you know the dialogue is just going to nail it. That For that to be the scene I'm taking away from rap for made it worth it, where there were some other things. If we're taking away from rap to see somebody doing God knows what off to the side, I wouldn't care as much, but all of those uh, dialogues paid off.
0: And a winner is Kyle for giving us nine great mid-trap books.
1: Kyle obviously is the winner, and we made that clear in last week's episode. That interview, so happy our patrons could come on, best fans in the world who followed him, say what he meant to him. And, of course, that limerick, you know, we wanted to give him a good old mid-trap pod limerick to go. So definitely Kyle's the winner, and so glad we got to spend time with him last week. Yeah. We don't have a final score, though, until we talk about these covers. Chris, what's your first reaction? Because I don't think a lot of people saw cover B, cover C, cover D. I'll put it on the graphic. So if you want to see these covers, check our social media, check our website, listen on Spotify. When you listen on Spotify, you will see the cover artwork in the app. What's your first reaction to B, C, and D?
0: Well, can we talk about A first real quick? Oh, sure, let's, let's get that out of the way. We, we talked
1: we, a little bit about
0: it. We talked a little bit about it, and I really like this cover. And yes. like, it kind of it makes perfect sense if you want to pull in like the whole captagon of it of it all. Like in terms of this, even though that, that's sort of more affecting the mind, it's still you know this drug that's having an effect on people. You know, their entire health, like you know the heart. You have this inverse washington versus moscow this war that's going on red i love the coloring uh, i love like you know this bleeding in between moscow and 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 the uh you know essentially a stand-in for the united states and, and moscow right really like that cover okay now the the side covers intriguing i have to say i'm intrigued and i kind of like cover b Really?
1: Whoa! Yeah, and Whoa. you know why?
0: Because why? there's that scene. Now it's not like the getting same. Getting smuggled
1: scene. into Syria.
0: No, th- this is what I took as get them getting out of the, the compound. Oh. Remember, Mitch is there with a wounded guy, and he's hearing these clicks, click, clicks, clicks of like fence. Bru- of Bruno and the other Arab. That was there cutting the fence. He's like, "Oh, I wish it. I I hear it going on, but I wish it was just going faster. You're right. And I see this and that just takes me back to that scene. So this is because he's on the inside of that barbed wire getting out if you look at it. So they actually drew it the right way. He'd be like escaping.
1: It's not going to look like this, bro. In the heat of battle, carrying the wounded dude. Bruno McGraw cutting thing. We should see a huge ogre of a man if Bruno's. Like I know.
0: Like, I know, but they, they One dude sort of,
1: standing in a silhouette. It's too much of a running man for me, bro.
0: I know. It is it is it takes us back to Or our, standing our, man. Our our standing man running man series. But I will say I like like the Rip fence cuz it took me back to that scene and I really like that scene. I listened to that scene a couple of times on the audiobook. It was one one of the better scenes uh, from the audiobook.
1: So yeah seems good but to be the leading scene on a cover and this is the uk cover so
0: I, they do, they do some weird covers know. man they do they do, they some do. Weird ass covers. and the layout
1: of them is just a little strange too yeah okay cover c though could be except for one major flaw could be one of the coolest covers i've ever seen
0: cover c is really cool except for we don't have any snowy hills
1: I have no idea. this is uh, this is almost like the train why he's on the snowy, like mountainous area, fully kitted out makes no sense to me. Like this is a Jack Car cover through and through. Like I don't know what it's doing in the Midrap series, and particularly, I don't know what it's doing for this book. It makes no sense, but it's probably gonna sell like wildfire because this is the Australia cover. If I saw that cover anywhere in a bookstore, I'm buying it off the shelf. So it is objectively a nearly perfect cover. But if we're ju- judging the cover by the book, it's a travesty.
0: Maybe that's supposed to represent like this, like Siberia. Why? Because Russia, like you know, the Russia
1: element of it all. If we never go there,
0: yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to. I'm grasping for straws
1: here, my travesty, dude, travesty.
0: Okay, now what do you think about? cover D do you know what that is I don't know so that's that library
1: binding one I I don't know why but on Goodreads it was listed as as one of the covers I think it's really cool I think I like that it brings in what I would call the Damascus element or the Syrian element right with the buildings to me I'll take that any day over the damn fence like to put an actual building that brings me to a village in Syria maybe the house where rap Stuffs the dudes in the compressors. I can't right. believe we didn't bring that up. Right. Like... The garage, yeah, yeah. This transports me to that mechanic shop, the garage, maybe, you know, a mosque on the corner of a little, little, of a town, a historical site where the war has been, even where the negotiations are happening. You know, this is the street level of one of those buildings where they're negotiating.
0: Or where him and McGraw are doing the stakeout, you know?
1: That, that everything, right, where they capture the transport. I think this cover... Of all four, is the only one to me that if we're going to judge a cover by the book, passes that test. Because you mentioned cover A, and I like the design. I like the simplicity. I think it really fits with what we started with Total Power, a very, very crisp two-tone. I know there's three three or four colors here with the yellow, but it almost feels like it's two-tone just because the black backdrop. So I like the design of it. But the fact that the drug messes with your mind and not your heart, I was led to think this is some sort of drug that messes with Mm. your heart myocarditis or or something like that, you know, that touches on those themes. So the heart meant a lot to me when we first got this cover. I was like, it's captivating. Yeah, I
0: thought I thought like somehow a heart.
1: Like the heart was going to like come into play. And Code Red too, right? Like if somebody read lines in the hospital or something. Right. I thought the Code Red and the heart theme and the blood and the beating heart would play a little more of a role, and it didn't. The drug captagon was unrelated essentially to that. Because of that, the cover, when I judge it by the book, falls a little flatter than just design principles. It's it's awesome. It's awesome on design principles like, like C, cover C. But I don't have a good balance, a balance of a cover that hits all of those notes. And because of that, overall, got to give the covers a three.
0: So I've been been writing three, three and a half, four, like this whole time. I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to go three and a half. Okay.
1: Cover C is just freaking baller, that Australian version. Just too bad it doesn't fit the book at all. (laughs) I mean, come on. All right. 8. You might as well have a train going through there or power lines, honestly. I, I think I'd like it more with power lines just because it had friggin power lines than I would a Snowy Mountain All right, Chris, final scores. means close. I settle on a 42. You settle on a 41.: Yeah. Good book. great book great ending parts of it were absolutely stellar 48 49 50 level on a scorecard if we were isolating parts of it the last third i would say the, maybe even the middle third would probably be up there yeah but overall i i don't know if it had the complete package
0: i think it's in that solid B B plus range you know like yeah. it's it's the double our score and that's a years in 84 minus 82 it's b minus b, b solid b so all right, that's Code Red. It's kind of sad. Our last Kyle novel. We have a whole year to wait before we can talk about Don. We don't have a whole year to wait before we talk about him. We're definitely going to touch into some of his other books, but a whole year to wait before we get his installment into this into the series. So got some time. Think about it. Might want to reread reread this, revisit this. If you haven't had a chance, go check out Fade. So. Yeah, what what are we reading next, Mike?
1: I forget what we put down, but over on Thriller Podcast, we've got a lot of different things coming the next few months. We've got David McCloskey's Moscow X coming up, a couple of Andrews and Wilson books. I know Sons of Valor 3 is slated in the next couple of months. We're going back to Assassin in the Assassin series by Ward Larson with Assassin's Mark in November. And honestly, we want to cover Don Bentley, so I think we'll try to squeeze in at least one of his Clancy verse books, the second one in his Matt Drake series. Let's keep that going. And we want to have him back. So we will be on the Thriller podcast feed in the near future. We'll be back here with Don Bentley uh, in a little bit after we cover some of his books over there. And then we'll have the Scott Harvath podcast going as well. We're probably about the halfway point of that series. So towards the end of this calendar year, we're going to do a halfway recap of brad thor and the scott harvath series maybe a little ranking of the first half there and soon enough we'll we did full black we'll be working our way towards spymaster you know uh in, in early 2024 so stick with us all three feeds be sure to be sure to subscribe to no limits the scott harvath podcast and the thriller podcast to keep up with us until we return here with don bentley on the mitch rap pod
0: Go check that out on our other feeds. All right, guys. We need to thank our patrons, our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Dawn, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, break, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Instagram at Thriller And as always, just like Kyle, be Kyle.
1: Dude, one thing we got to add here in the post-credits. Can't believe I missed it. We said earlier, Anna is still seven. And she oh, actually is. Yeah. She's in she second the, grade.
0: She's in sec- well, second grade is like eight. Uh,
1: I think you start second. Well, it's summer break, right? Because remember Mitch says, you're going to win the summer oh, book report if yeah, 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 I fly yeah. her over Masada you know, in the Holy Land. Yeah. So yeah, I think so she's, she's, starting she's starting second grade. Second she's seven turning eight at some point
0: yeah 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 you're right. you're right well we I guess one more p s p s we didn't we didn't put this in perspective we, we kind of gave it a score. We said we would come back and say where we thought specifically this ranked with
1: Kyle's books.
0: so we do you want to quickly redo the order again? like what what is your number one Kyle book
1: yeah did, we did Kyle's rankings, right? Do we have that to to refer back to?
0: Do we do that as an episode? I feel like we did.
1: I think we did. I think we did. we
0: do that when Kyle's uh, when Kyle announced he was leaving?
1: Maybe we didn't. Oh yeah, we have it ranking Kyle's books. We did it episode one thirteen, our thank you Kyle episode. Oh, we did. We just we just did. We've we,
0: I guess when we found out that Kyle that Kyle was leaving, we decided to do that. All right. So you put we both put Lethal Agent. We both put Survivor. We both put Enemy at the Gates then it started to get a little wonky you put oath of loyalty would you would you keep that there mike
1: i think I, i'm keeping enemy at the gates and oath of loyalty together in the three four spot because i honestly think of them as one book okay. i think of them as the cook's book the cookbook
0: <laughs> i put enemy of the state i put order to kill i was low on the oath of loyalty Fred, and then we Red War and I didn't like Total Power. We've kind of flip flopped. Like you can put Red War and Total Power like kind of back to back.
1: Yeah, I think enemy of the state in order to kill, if I reread them, maybe could bump up uh, at some point. But regardless, how do you slot code red in here? This is tough.
0: This is Yeah tough. It is tough.
1: When I read it, not considering the audiobook, which boy, that that's that's coming soon. <laughs> That'll come, people. That'll come. Um not considering we'll the audio. Clear up the
0: decks for that one.
1: When I read this book, I was up and down like a roller coaster, but the highs of this book when I was reading it for the first time were super high. So we had our quibbles. We mentioned it on the on the last few episodes, but when this book was clicking, it was clicking to the point of I might put it. Third sounds crazy because I loved Anime of the Gates. Maybe you're right. I have to bump down Oath of Loyalty and put this one in the four spot.
0: So I was thinking, all right, is it better than Total Power? Yes. yes. Is it better than Red War? Yes. Is it better than Oath of Loyalty?
1: Probably yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Is it better than Order to Kill?
1: From what I remember, yes. But if I reread it, I'm not sure.
0: That's our Grisha. That's Grisha's introduction. And is that it better final than, set
1: piece where he fights Grisha. Yeah, in is the it better
0: movie. than Enemy at the State? I feel like this. Is, I don't think so. I think it's like right at Enemy at the State because I really like that book. It's a team up, it's kind of like a side quest. I think you're right.
1: So if I could redo this, I think you're right. I was going to keep them together. And it's Ocean not better Boy, than Enemy at the down.
0: Gates. No, not better than Survivor, the Survivor, not,
1: not better than the Legion, which means it has to be the four, five or six slot. The question is, what do I do with Oath of Loyalty and Enemy of the State? I'd have to reread both, to be honest, before I know. I'm going to play it safe and put it in the five spot right now. Yeah. With potential to a, move to four.
0: I think it's a good, good. I think I'm also going to put it in the five spot. Yeah,
1: yeah, Five spot out of nine for sure. Yeah. I think if I reread Order to Kill an Enemy of the, the, Enemy of the State. I I think it had those two have potential to go up. I just, Oh, the Grisha Azarov scene in order to kill when he's fighting Scott. Oh, was that BB Kincaid also? No, she's in the survivor for sure.
0: She's, a survivor.
1: she's in total power. She makes a return she to that uh, diner shootout. Yes. Yeah. Fred Mason wasn't in this one.
0: Uh, I know. Well, we, cause we, we just had a, uh, Scott had was the, Scott was the, uh, the helicopter pilot so true
1: and fred mason was baller in animate the gates so yes yes yeah
0: kylos doesn't doesn't like the tap he likes like using people and
1: then coming back to them you know and we didn't have marcus demand i'm gonna leave it at that if you guys could have seen my face
0: I don't know why. Does, I guess just Kyle just really just didn't
1: like that character. So. I don't know. But when we recorded with Kyle, I wasn't going to push. But when he flat out denied the Marcus is alive theory, or or Mar- that was Marcus theory. Oh well, let's hope Marcus is alive. But my face, I I I don't know. I kind of you should. I
0: saw it. I saw you like quickly, like like my I mean, whole affect you,
1: changed, dude.
0: Then you went back to podcast, like <laughs> like smile. You were like,
1: I. I, yeah, my face changed. Was it resting, bitch face? I think so. It was, I'm missing Mark. You were just face. like, oh, okay. Okay. And then we really kept the moving.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was funny. So.